0: Hope everybody's doing well today. Uh, welcome to Springwell. We are excited uh, to be together this morning. Uh, we have a fun set lined up for us today. As you can see, it's it's a little different today. We're going a little more acoustic, a little more unplugged in our worship, and uh, we are excited about it. So right now, why don't you stand, greet a few people around you, and we're going to sing together. things of creation within your control. Inside out, Lord, my soul
1: for just a moment. Uh, If you're a guest with us this morning, maybe it's your first or your second time, um, just know this next few moments are not for you. Um, We're going to worship through giving, um, but that's not why we prayed that you would come. Uh, We don't want your money. We just want uh, your presence with us this morning. And so um, as you know, we kicked off last week, we kicked off our Easter offering. For those of you that have been around Springwell for a little while, you know, we do a lot of work in Guatemala through mission trips and one of the ways that we help out is by um, most, or, or the past several Easter offerings have gone to build a house for our family in Guatemala. Uh, Erica and Miguel are um, the couple that we're building the house for this year. They have five children, um, and their home is made of straw and mud, and get this, the mud is actually beginning to erode away, and so um, Erica is pregnant, uh, and um, they need some Some help. And so, what we're doing this Easter is we're trying to raise $14,500. We'll build that family a home and furnish it. And so, this morning, if you would like to give to that specific housing project in Guatemala, um, you can do so by using an Easter offering envelope that are by both of the the back doors. Um, You can text the word Easter to the number that's about to be on the screen in just a moment, and then any amount. Um, or you can also give online and you can hit Easter offering. But we, um, we desperately want to give this family a nice, clean home that is going to protect them from the elements and protect Erica and her yet-to-be-born child. And of course, that's over and above our normal offering. And so at this point in the service, every week, we get a chance to give back or return to God what He's given to us in the first place—none of it's ours. It—it it didn't come by us doing something, but God blessed us with it in the first place. And so, if, right now, we're going to return to God uh, out of obedience to what He's called us to do. And so, um, you know, there's different ways that you can give. You can give online. You can give at the kiosk in the lobby. Um, you can also text the number that's about to be on the screen. Leave out the word Easter and just text any amount, and uh, it'll go to the general offering. Or Right after I pray, we're going to pass the buckets. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for a church that's full of givers. And, uh, Lord, this morning we do pray for Erica and Miguel. God, we pray, um, Lord, for your protection on them. Uh, Lord, physically, that you would protect them. Lord, until uh, we can build them a home. God, we pray that you would protect her and that little baby. we also pray this morning for for us, Lord, as we give back. God, for some of us, it seems like such a large amount. For some of us, it seems like we're not doing any good, God. But you see our heart. You tell us that where our treasure is, there we'll find our heart. And so, God, this morning, we give back to you, not because we want to get something back, but because we want to say we trust you with that, which oftentimes seems to mean the most to us. And it meets our physical needs, God. We believe you beyond those. God, thank you for every person here. Thank you that um, we're givers. God, thank you that we don't give begrudgingly, but God, we give because you allow us to, because you allow us to play a part in what you're doing at this church. You allow us to play a part in what you're doing in our world. God, thank you for this church. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're on the left side of the road, there's a bucket under your chair. You can take it and pass that bucket to the right. Thank y'all for being here.
2: something, girl? Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something that you're looking for? I find myself for longing for change and in the bad times I fear myself
3: morning. Hey, y'all. Let's talk about, <laughs> that's good stuff right there, isn't it? <laughs> uh, two weeks from now, uh, we can have uh, Easter. Are you excited? That's pretty good. I mean, that's really, that's pretty good for, you know, for, for you early guys. So that's, I'm really impressed. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, Easter is going to be in a couple of weeks, and here's here's the thing. Uh, I'm so excited about Easter. I'm always excited about Easter uh, because I love. Honestly, I, I probably prefer Easter even over Christmas. Can you say that? I mean, you feel like that's wrong, you know? And I love I love Christmas. I really do. And I know you had to have the birth, but you don't have the birth. You can never get to the to the death and the resurrection. I get that, but I just so love uh, Easter. And I'm really jacked up about this Easter because I'm going to talk about all these doubts that you have. And there's a passage out of John, I'm telling you, I've seen some things that I've never really seen before about even even those early disciples, how their minds were just overwhelmed with doubt. That they really didn't have the faith to believe. Hello, are you with me? Anybody? Y'all are a real spiritual crowd, right? So you don't even understand doubts at all. But the 11 o'clock crowd, that will be the crowd, right? That will understand the whole doubt thing. And so, if you know some folks that are probably just struggling with the whole idea of believing, um, you know, giving their life to Jesus, wrapping their brains around the resurrection, and that whole thing, you don't want to miss, you do not want to miss Easter Sunday, and you want to make sure that you invite those friends uh, to be here. Uh, We do have some pretty cool things that you can grab on your way out today. I was going to throw that, but it wouldn't hurt you. Well, I'm... That was, hang on, I got another one. <laughs> ha ha! I would have done that with my right hand. I'm not, I'm, I'm not left-handed. I would have done that with my right hand, but it, it my, my arm's doing great. Thank you guys for asking. You're always asking about, you know, my shoulder and, and how that's going. It's going really, really well. Um, I saw somebody this week, and we, he shook hands. Whew, It hurt. <laughs> Like, he grabbed me and pulled, and I went, oh, you know, and slapped him and said some bad things, and I didn't, I'm just kidding. And uh, so anyway, I, but I'm, I'm getting better, I'm getting better every single day. I really can tell an improvement, so thank you for asking. You don't want to miss Easter, make sure you invite your friends. Y'all excited? Sweet! If you're new to Springwell, we're in a series called He Said That, and we're looking at some of the over-the-top, in-your-face, I can't believe he said that kind of statements, That Jesus made when he was when he was on earth and uh, I think that the picture that a lot of people have in their minds when they think about Jesus is that like you know Jesus was was maybe kind of small soft-spoken you know a, a hippie type looking guy you know that probably just said peace a lot peace and love and and he was the guy that walked into the room and and you could just you could just feel the love oozing from him And so it surprises people when you really get into into the Bible that you find that really the opposite is true. A lot of people think that Jesus was kind of wimpy, and he wasn't wimpy at all. I'm telling you what, Jesus was a man's man. He was strong, he was tough, he was a carpenter, and that's the way that he lived his life. And when he spoke at times, you literally would say, whoa, I I can't believe you said that. So today I want to look at this passage out of Mark chapter 8 where Jesus uses... Honestly, some pretty strong language to talk about what it really means to be one of his followers. And let me just say that uh, these are the words, and we're going to look at them in just a minute. They're, they really are the kind of words that you would think, I tell you, I just don't, Jesus, I just don't know if I would have put it quite that way, you know? Maybe you should have eased off just a little bit, not quite so much, in your face. Get them in first, Then tell them a little bit about the cost of discipleship afterwards. So let me tell you what's going on in Mark chapter 8. Jesus realizes in Mark 8 that some of those people who had been following him were really acting more like consumers than they were followers. And so he does this little teaching and he opens up this door to some really big questions that I want us to wrestle with this morning. I want us to realize that there are some huge benefits In fact, honestly, when I look at the cost, the cost really doesn't compare to me personally. To the benefits of following Jesus. But, while there are huge benefits to following Jesus, there is absolutely a cost of discipleship. Let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits. Don't you want to? Before we jump in and I beat you over the head with some of the cost. So what are some of the benefits of following Jesus? Well, you know, if you follow Jesus and if you live the way that Jesus... Taught us to live, then you know what? You're just going to be a better father. You're going to be a better mother. You're going to be a better husband. You're going to be a better wife. I mean, really, if you just follow the precepts and the principles that Jesus laid out in Scripture, honestly, you're just going to be a better person. You really are. You're going to be more honest. I said, You're going to be more honest. (laughs) Uh, You're going to be quicker to forgive. You're going to be more generous. You're going to be more generous. (laughs) You're going to serve. You're going to serve with, with a heart full of enthusiasm. It changes your perspective to live the way that Jesus taught us to live, to do it the way that he did it. When you serve, you just serve with a heart that just overflows with love. And, and, you're just going to have more peace. And I don't know about you, but a lot of people that I talk to today, they're looking for peace. They're looking to have more peace in their lives. And here's the thing about following Jesus. The thing about following Jesus that makes following Jesus so sweet is that you can have peace in the midst of some of the greatest storms of your life. In fact, Jesus even said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, therefore, any, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And some of you have seen that. Maybe that's why some of you are at church this morning. You maybe have worked with some Christians, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, but you've worked with some followers of Jesus and you watch watched them personally go through some incredibly difficult times. You know, maybe it was a sickness, maybe it was a death, maybe it was a job loss, maybe it was incredible things and you looked at that person and here's the thing about following Jesus and having him as our foundation that just makes life so incredibly sweet is that you watch those people not just survive, and that's one thing, to survive, to survive loss, to survive hurt. But maybe you're like on the outside and you've been looking in and you've watched followers of Jesus not just survive, but you've watched them thrive. You know what I'm talking about? And you looked at these people and you thought, you know what, Any, a situation like that with anybody else would break them. But this person, they're not just surviving, they're thriving. And then you look at them six months after the fact, and you think, you know what, you're even growing. I mean, you, you have a sweeter life now than you did even before. It's crazy. So that's what's going on. There are huge benefits to following Jesus, but at some point, some point there's going to be a price to pay. Aren't you glad you came to church today? So let's jump into Mark chapter 8. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi on the way he asked them, hey, so who do people say that I am? I'm just curious. You guys are, you know, you, you're, you're the man on the street. You're out there with the people. So who do people say that I am? And they replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. And still others, one of the prophets. And he says, he says but here's what I'm curious of. So I know what the the crowds think, but what I want to know is who do you say that I am? And I love this because old Peter finally got it right, you know? So this is early on. This is like before the denial part. And so Peter looks at him and says, I can tell you exactly who you are. You're the Messiah. And the word Messiah here, it's it's a Jewish term and it means anointed one. And so the, the Jewish people were waiting on God To send his anointed one. Now, what does that mean? It means that they were waiting on the Savior of the world. They had been offering a sacrifice every single year for the atonement of their sins, and they would take this little lamb, this perfect little lamb, and they would slit his throat and offer the blood. And they said, What we're looking for is the Lamb of God to come and to take away the sins of the world. This is going to be the old system. We're looking for a new system. We're looking for a Savior. Peter says, that's exactly who you are. I know who you are. You're the anointed one. You're the one that we've been waiting on. Let's read on. Because this next part is a little bit weird. If you've been in church your whole life, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And if you've been in church, you're thinking, what? Like, where has this verse been? i never heard of anybody preach on that. You're right. What are we going to say? And We're going to take this verse. What do we tell you now? Because If you've been raised up in church, you've been raised that we are to do what? Evangelize the world, right? Which means we're to take the gospel and to tell every single person that we see. And so if you're pumping gas at the Conoco, it is our job to lead the person in the next lane. It's our job to lead them to Jesus, right? And if you're at Bilo, if you're at Ingalls, if you're at Walmart, our job is to walk in and out of aisles sharing the gospel and having people kneel right there on the floor. It is our job to share the gospel. And so if you look at this, you think, what? Like, what's happening here? Well, I'm just saying, this was before that time. Jesus was saying, listen, I want you to know, but the time's not right to go public yet. And then he begins uh, to tell them that there's going to be a price to pay for following him. And listen to what he says. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. And, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, rejected by the elders, maybe you're thinking if you're one of those disciples, that's not too bad. I didn't like them a whole lot anyway. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they're probably thinking, that's okay, honestly, I didn't like those people anyway. They never really did anything for me. They didn't welcome me into the church. You know what I'm saying? And so, man, maybe it's time that they kind of got what was coming to them, you know? And so it's okay if we'll be rejected by them. That he must be killed and after three days rise again. And maybe somebody said, Whoa, hang on. And then it says, He spoke plainly about this. In other words, He wasn't chewing his cabbage twice. I mean, He was looking at them saying, There's going to be a cost. And, and there's going to be like the chief priest, and there's going to be teachers of the law. There's going to be this religious group that you really probably aren't too very fond of. And they're going to reject me. But listen, the biggest thing is I'm in physically, I am going to die. Now, I'm going to be raised on the third day. But my guess is, is as soon as you hear the whole part about death, maybe you don't even hear the last part. So he's telling his closest followers, I'm glad that you get who I am. Peter, this is so cool that you get who I am because I'm telling you, things are going to get tough. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And so Peter pulls him out of the crowd and he says, hey, don't go all negative net on me. The things were going so good. He said, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but, but everywhere we go, you draw a crowd. I mean, everywhere you go, people follow you. You've done some phenomenal things. You've healed sick people. You've spoke life into some people that, that had no life, that had no hope. I mean, people that were outcast, and you spoke life into them, and you drew them in, and I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but you're really getting pretty famous and because you're famous, then I want you to know that I'm kind of famous because I'm following you. And Peter, if he'd being gut level honest, he would say, you know, you're famous, and I'm kind of famous, and I kind of like it. And, and listen, this whole thing about, you know, dying, I mean, you're not going to be killed because you're the Messiah. And so in their minds, in Peter's mind, there didn't have to be a death and a resurrection. In Peter's mind, we're just going to take over. And we're headed in that direction. Things are looking so good. I mean, you're, you're drawing a crowd. People love you. And, you know, you said to that storm, you know, you looked at the storm and you said, stop that. And it did. And then you, you fed thousands of people. Wow. This has been, like, phenomenal. So no more Negative. Let's go back over there and maybe you can talk about prayer, some positive stuff. But let's don't go anymore to this negative kind of stuff about death and dying. Let's kind of forgive that. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. And literally it means, get out of my sight. And it's kind of a weird dynamic, isn't it? Because at one point, there's Peter, and he he speaks up, and he says, you, listen, man, I recognize that you're the guy that we've been looking for. You are the anointed one. You're the Messiah. And then it's, I mean, just like a few seconds later, you know, and he's looking at Peter and saying, get behind me, Satan. Wow. That's kind of like me. Is anything like you? I mean, I look at that, and I go, you know what? That looks like my life. I mean, I imagine there's times when Jesus is smiling, going, you go, boy. And then probably, you know, like 30 seconds later, I can't believe you said that, you know. He's probably looking at me that way as well. And so I look at Peter and I think, that's kind of harsh. I mean, he's following you. And literally that you would say like, get out of my sight. Let me explain to you what's going on. He's making a really strong point that they totally don't get. So literally, Jesus is looking at Peter and he said, I just think we exposed something in you. You're acting like a consumer and not a follower. And just so you know, a consumer is in it for what they can get out of it. And what I want is I'm looking for followers. I want you to be my follower, which means that wherever I go and if if there's a cost that's involved, and so if you're with me, And there's a cost that's going to be involved. Here's what I need to know. I need to know that you're going to be with me. I need to know that you love me. And I need to know that when times get hard, when when the going gets tough, I need to know that when I look around that I don't have to, you know, search to find you. I want to know that you're right there beside me. And the truth of it is, Peter, is that you know what? You're not concerned about what's going to happen to me. You didn't even hear that part. The whole part about that I would have to die. You're more concerned about what's going to happen to you because of me. So then Jesus decides that this is a teaching moment. And this is what Jesus does. And so Jesus says some things. He's already said some things. That would make you go, whoa, I can't believe you said that, but it just gets worse. He speaks the kinds of truth into people's life, honestly, that will stop you dead in your tracks. Look at what he said. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be a student, a follower of mine, well, you've got to deny yourself. Now, if you've ever been on a diet, you understand what it means to deny yourself. Anybody, can you raise your hand? The rest of you, make us sick. If you've never been on a diet and you don't understand what that's like, you know, we're just praying that you'll be fat for an eternity. I don't know. I mean, we just think, you know, that you should have to go through part of our struggles. You know, going on a diet means that you have to die to some things, right? And it's not that you just have to die to some things. When you think about it, I mean, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you know Monday morning I'm going on a diet, what do you do the weekend? You eat yourself silly, don't you? I mean, you're eating everyth- everything you can think of that's like it's going to taste good because you understand that come Monday morning, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to die to some things that you really, really like, but you know in the end is really bad for your health. And so, you know, the waiter comes up to you and he says, you know, would you like to order, would you like to order a dessert? And you would say, no, I'm going to die. To myself. And you say that with a really sad face. Here's some things that I want. I would love to have that piece of cake. I would love to have that piece of pie. I can almost taste it in my mouth right now. I would love to have it, but I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to die to me. I'm going to die to some things that I know are going to taste really good, but in the end are bad for me. I'm going to say no to me. So we all know what it means to deny ourselves, to die to ourselves. And so here's what Jesus is saying. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you really, really need to hear this. Jesus is saying, you know what, there's, on your journey with me, you're going to come to some forks in the road. and this is going to happen over and over and over and over and over again in your journey in your walk with Jesus. And there're going to be these points of tension where what you want for you and what Jesus wants for you are going to be different. And in that moment you have to decide. Am I am I going to am I going to be a consumer or am I going to be a follower? And if you decide, if you say, you know what? I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Christ. I don't want to just be a Christian in name. I just don't want to be that person that goes to church on occasion. No, no, no. I Listen, I understand the cross. I understand the price that was paid for me. I get that. I know that he is the anointed one. He is not just the Savior of the world. He's my Savior. I want to follow Jesus. Then you have to understand that to be a follower of Jesus that you're going to have to die to yourself. There's going to be those forks in the road, those points of tension where one way is going to be going the way that Jesus wants you to go, and there's going to be another way. And when you look at that way, you're going to think, boy, it looks pretty good over here. You know what I'm saying? There's There's some things over here I like a lot. And then you'll start to think, well, there's really nothing really wrong with what's over here. I mean, it's not like deep, dark sin or anything, right? And so you begin to then rationalize in your mind. And in those moments, you'll discover if you're a consumer or if you're a follower. So Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and then take up their cross. And we totally don't get this at all. And when we think about cross, I mean, we think about jewelry, right? That's probably what we think about um, most especially this time of year, a a lot of churches that you go by, they got the three crosses out front, right? Have you seen those? I've already seen those. Wow. The the cross is a powerful reminder to me of the price that was paid for my salvation. But I'm afraid in the world that we live in, a lot of times it's, it's it's just a piece of jewelry. But for these people, living in this day, it meant a terrible, nasty, long, painful death. That's what it meant not just a symbol, not just a cool symbol that you put around your neck and you say, hey, I'm a follower, I'm a a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm wearing the cross around my neck, it reminds me of the price that was paid. Now, they understood this meant death. Not just any kind of death, but a nasty, horrible, painful death. And there were some people in the crowd that said, you know what, I think this is where I get off the Jesus train. I think this is where I'm going to say, you know what? This has been great. Uh, I mean, like you fed the 5,000. That was cool. And there were like 15,000 people there. It was really, really cool. And it was good that when you walked on the water. That was really good. But I mean, honestly, and I, I knew that to follow you, that it might entail some things, that I might have to leave some things behind. But you said die. And you didn't just say die. You said literally that I would have to take up my cross. And I got to be honest, I, that I wasn't counting on that high of a price. Not that high of a price. I mean, I don't, I don't mind giving up a few things. There's some things I need to give up in my life. I get that. But die? Really? I ain't count on dying. So I'm out, Girl Scout. I mean, I'm backing away. I'm going back to something else that's not quite so demanding. And so some of the crowd are backing up. And then he says this. He says, whoever wants to save their life, you know what? You're going to lose it anyway. No matter how hard you try to save your life, here's what he's saying. You are going to lose it anyway. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And so he's saying, you know what? I know that probably these are some really scary words. And you just need to know that the life that you're trying to save, listen in the end, you're going to lose that life anyway. And there's nothing here that we don't already know. This is not some new revelation that you have to be raised up in church to understand, right? We get that. He says, but here's the thing. If you follow me, if you follow me and you lose your life, if you follow me and you find that you have to lose a relationship, if you're following me and in your following me, you realize that you gotta walk away from that job, if in following me, you lose your life and and you maybe you lose something that you consider to be really valuable i just want you to know that the truth of it is you are going to lose it anyway but if you lose it for me you're saving your life hmm and what and what seems like a loss it's not a loss at all because I'm giving you an opportunity to lose it with a purpose. And then he asked a really, really important question. And honestly, I've been in church for a long time. We've made this question so complicated. And it's not complicated at all. In fact, the people that were listening to Jesus teach, they completely got it. It was something they could understand. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit and yet forfeit their own soul. And the word forfeit, it means have to pay, give up, trade in, lose. And so here's what he's saying. He said, let's just imagine that you had everything. Let's just say that you had like the most awesome life imaginable. Everything that you ever wanted in life, you got. Every possession that you just thought you couldn't live without, you got. That and ten times more. But what if you realize that by living this incredible life, you forfeited the eternal for the temporal? And then he asked this question. Or what is it? What is it? that you can give in exchange for your soul. He says, let's turn this thing around. I want you to think about it like this. Let's say that you're at the end of the most awesome life imaginable. You've got massive possessions. I mean, you've acquired it all. You've got everything that you could possibly want. You've amassed all of this wealth, but that at the end of your life, it dawns on you, wow. Like, I'm going to go into eternity where I have literally lost, forfeited my soul. Jesus says, and this is a question everybody understood. This is not a hard question. It's not a hard question for them. It's not a hard question for us. So Jesus is saying, in that moment, what would you trade to get your soul back? And everybody knows. You come to the end of life, and life is over, and you've had everything that you could imagine. What what would you trade then for your soul? What would you trade then for eternity? Everybody knows the answer. Everybody would say, I would give everything. Not just a few things. I wouldn't just go back and look at my list and pick out a few things. I literally would give everything. I wouldn't want to give up the eternal for the temporal. You wouldn't negotiate. And then Jesus, being the brilliant teacher that he is, he said, you know what you just discovered about yourself? Those of you that are a little bit... Afraid right now, and I'm speaking some things, and you go, I can't believe he said that. And for those of you that are afraid of losing, and if you're going to give your life to me and become a follower of me, that it's what you're going to have to de- die to, it's what you're going to have to deny yourself. He said, Let me tell you what you just learned. You just made a remarkable discovery about yourselves. You just discovered that you consider your soul of greater worth than all of your possessions. That's what you just discovered. Now, can can we just be, like, gut-level honest with each other? Is there anybody here that would say anything any different? No. And it is amazing for those of us that have experienced life a little bit. And if you've experienced some things as, as beautiful and as wonderful as they are, the older that you get, you realize that all of that stuff is Nothing. Compared to the relationships in your life. And all of that stuff is nothing compared to eternity. This is not hard. Then he said, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his Father's glory with his holy angels. And Peter, Peter was thinking, Man, I I got this one. I ain't never gonna be ashamed of you. And I was I, was the, I got it right who do you say that I am you are the Messiah you are the anointed one you're the savior of the world I got this Jesus I got your back and when you turn around and you look I want you to know that I'm going to be standing there but it's not long after that that he denies Jesus and what did Jesus do he kicked his rear end right out of the group right it's crazy it's crazy he, he put him in charge of the whole enchilada. I thought I would tie that in with a taco. Sorry. In the end, Peter literally died for the sake of the gospel. So what's the moral of the story? It says salvation is free. It costs you nothing. It cost me nothing. Jesus did it all. You become a child of God by placing your faith in Jesus. Because at the cross, Jesus paid for the price for, I say this all the time, all of our sin. For all sin for all time. For all of my past, all of my present, all of my future sin. He paid it all. But following Jesus... Following Jesus in this life is eventually, I just need to tell you, it's going to cost you something. In other words, at some point in your journey, you're going to come to a fork in the road. And what you want and what Jesus wants for you is going to be different. He's going to say, this is the way that I want you to go. And then you have to look and say, but i got to be honest. I want to go this way. And in those moments, you're going to discover something about yourself. Something inside is going to be exposed. And you're going to know whether or not you're a consumer or whether you're a follower. Some of you this morning, um, you really identified yourself with, uh, with Peter. And honestly, you've said, man, I'm a follower. I'm a follower of Jesus. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I mean, you've got the language down. I'm a follower of Jesus. For some of you this morning, as followers, you've said, wow. More times than not, I choose me. I love salvation. I love to think when I die, I get to go to heaven. I'm not going to hell. That's sweet. So I got my salvation thing going. I think I'm going to hang on to the salvation, but I think I'm going to live my life my way. But maybe in this moment, you've decided, you know what, I don't want to live that way. So if you're a genuine believer, and maybe this morning God has spoken to you, Maybe you're at that Forks in the Road and you're making some bad choices. If that's you and you say, but I don't want to live that way. I want to be a follower. I want to follow him with my whole heart, with everything in me. If that's you, and we're not going to do the bow your head, close your eye thing. But if that's you, and you say, I don't, I, I've been exposed as a consumer. But I don't want to be a consumer. I want to be a follower. Would you just slip up your hand so that I can like pray for us? I love this church. We can just be so gut-level honest with each other. So I want to just pray for us. Can I do that? Lord, just some very honest people, Lord, that have said that they know that they've stood in the forks and they've they've chose the road that leads to the things that they want rather than choosing to follow you down a different path. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you're so honest. Thank you, Lord, that your word can often expose things in us that we don't like. But, Lord, we confess that we want to be different. We want to do it different. So, Lord, just hear our prayer of repentance. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed some of you this morning it's time for you just to say you know what I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my own soul ain't nothing I got worth my soul I don't want to trade the eternal for the temporal I don't want to do that so maybe you're not a follower of Jesus this morning but you'd like to be so right there in your seat maybe you'd pray a prayer something like this you'd just say Heavenly Father I want to follow you. And I'm telling you that I believe in you. That you're the son of God. That you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood for me because you love me. And I know that you're alive. To the best of my ability right now, I'm going to surrender my life to you thanking you for your love and for your goodness and your kindness and your gentleness and your willingness to, at times just speak truth into my life and draw me to you Lord we love you it's in your sweet name we pray Amen
1: We're going to take communion together in just a moment um, before we do that, before I talk about what that means. Um, we're doing things a little bit differently this morning. If you've taken communion here, um, if you never have, then you're in good shape because you don't have anything to base this off of. Um, but in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then we have six communion stations around the wall with someone standing there to serve it. Um, what they have is a tray with these cups on it. And when you, when you go get it, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But there's a clear plastic film on top that has a wafer under it. And then there's another tab that has the juice. And so what you'll do is you'll go to a table, you'll grab this little pack, and then you'll go back to your seat and, and take communion. You can do that with your family or whoever you're sitting with. Um, And then there'll be some ushers walking up and down the rows and uh, you can just drop your trash into the trash cans they'll be carrying. Um, So just a little bit different this morning, um, but uh, it's the same, it means the the same thing. Um, Maybe you're from a different church background or maybe not a church background at all. I want you to know that um, if you're a believer in Jesus, you can take communion with us this morning. If not, don't feel bad about hanging tight there and just, uh, just sitting for a few moments. For those of us that are believers, um, we know while we're taking, while we're taking communion. Um, there's a card in your seat that has more details if you're curious, but um, for those of us that are believers, it represents the, the body and the blood of Jesus. It's symbolic of his sacrifice. You see, the night before Jesus would die, uh, he gathered with his 12 friends, the men that he had invested the last three years of ministry and the ones that were gonna carry his message forward, he gathered with those men that night. They reclined around a table to eat the Passover meal. And it was something they often did, but this particular Passover meant something special. This was, the, this was the year that not just some lamb would be sacrificed, but that Jesus himself would take on the sins of the world on the cross. And so he gathered with those 12 men He began to tell them what was about to happen. He had been trying to give them a heads up, he had been trying to warn them, but they hadn't quite quite made all the connections. So So he began to tell them what was about to happen. And the Bible says that he sat with those 12 men and he talked to Judas and Peter, it was before Peter denied him, but he talked to those men and he took the bread, which is symbolized by the wafer, and he broke it and he said, this is my body. It's about to be broken. It's about to be bruised, but I want you to know that as it's being done, so it's for you. And then he took the wine and he said, this is my blood. He said, I'm about to, I'm about to suffer some intense things. And I just want you to know that every drop of blood that spills from my head or every drop of blood you see is just a love symbol for you. And then he said something to them that night, but he also says it to us. He says, as often as you take this, he said, I want you to do it in remembrance of me and what I'm about to do. And so that's why we take communion as followers of Jesus. And so I'm going to pray. And after I pray, you're dismissed to the closest station to you, get the cup, come back, take communion, and then you can drop it in the trash can. God, thank you for Jesus. God, thank you that we are not left in the dark. Thank you that when he says, take up your cross and follow me, that he was willing to do it first, that he was willing to to hang on the cross. He was willing to take it on his back. He was willing to take the punishment that we deserve. God, not a single person in here this morning deserved the grace that Jesus gave, but you gave it anyway. Thank you. Lord, that the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you that the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. And this morning as we take communion, we celebrate that. We thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you not just that that you did it, but for, for what it meant. God, give us the strength to do this in remembrance of you, but also give us the strength to walk it out after we leave. In Jesus' name, amen you're free to go to the station.
2: I hear the Savior sing of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all and all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. paid it all, all to Him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. this
4: uh-huh.